Hey, what's up, guys? It's Michael from The Honest Youth Pastor back again with another sermon review. Today, we're going to be looking at a pastor named John Gray, specifically a sermon he preached on August 16th of this year at Relentless Church. It's called Non profit now in case you're new here before we get too far into it a sermon review is where we pull up a sermon from a variety of different pastors some of them that i want to look at some of those of which you guys have suggested in the comment section and we go through their sermon not saying oh look how great this pastor is or look how terrible this pastor is we go through their sermon looking for a red flag helpful things that we should look for basically i, I my my goal in this in this series that we're doing is to give you the tools or at least tools that i use in order to discern whether a pastor is preaching uh, the text rightly. Is he doing what he should do as a shepherd of the flock, which is dividing the word, which is imploring and, and, and educating and giving the congregation uh, the word from the Lord so that they can then go out and um, do the same out in their world as well. So that's why we look at these. So today we're going to be looking at one of John's sermons and, and going through and saying, okay, well, is he dividing the word rightly? Now, before we get too into this normally we would just start playing it um, there's some things that John mentions at the beginning of the sermon here I'm not quite sure what he's referencing and he knows that like if you're a guest here you're not gonna know what he's referencing either and he just kind of leaves it at that so I, I don't there's been some scandals around John Gray a couple scandals around relentless church as far as like the building and things like that that's as far as I was able to look up online but you're gonna hear a lot of that at the beginning of this sermon um, we're actually starting this video at, oh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the very beginning. Um, so before we get started as well, if you want to watch this whole sermon without my commentary, the link for this particular sermon will be in the link in the description below. So you can just watch the sermon all the way through without me talking the whole time, which might be prefer preferable to you. So with that being said, let's jump in to uh, Nonprofit by John Gray and go through it and kind of look for, okay, what's helpful here? What's not so helpful here? Is this something we can learn from? Is this something we should say this isn't this isn't helpful at all? So with that being said, let's hop into it. John Gray, nonprofit, preached on August 16th at Relentless Church. Everybody stand up for just a moment, please. What I'm about to say is going to um, honor God and put devils on the run. And I want you to prepare your heart because I mean to do business in the spirit this morning. When the enemy has attacked the way he's attacked in the last seven days and our staff and our leaders know what I'm talking about, if I could, if I could go through it, you would know that God is real and the devil is real. He hates this church and he hates what God is doing, which means we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And we are going to continue to serve the Lord. I want you to go to Matthew 24 very quickly. Once again, for our visitors, don't mind the intensity of this message today, but I must... <laughs> I'm sorry. So one... Uh... Okay, I'm laughing. I don't if you're if you're watching this video, I don't know what he's doing with his right hand, but he's talking and he's like rubbing. I, all I, I have a kid, so all I can think of is he's got like this booger in his hand. He's just rolling it, but that's what it looks like to me. I'm sorry. So back on track. Um, obviously, there's something going on at Relentless Church, and that's gonna. I, I want. 
I want us to, to understand, that's why we're playing it from, that's why I'm starting from the very beginning here. Because what happens here actually drives the rest of the service. So if you and I are visitors and we're walking into Relentless Church, um, and we don't know what's happening as far as church policy or as far as like what's going on between the elders or um, you know what drama is occurring at Relentless. Like there's all of these little aspects that I, I pick up throughout this sermon that we'll talk about. So there's obviously something happening, but for for the outsider like us walking in, this is a little a little odd. But I, I the reason I want to start here is because it does drive everything else. We've talked about this before. In sermon reviews. The intro kind of sets up everything else that's happening throughout the sermon. So that's important. In case you're new here, sometimes intros are done as far as like you jump right into scripture and then you get into, you know, the, the text and breaking it down. Sometimes you start with the story. Sometimes if you're a guest pastor, what you'll see them often do is kind of give a little backstory and then get into it. So intros vary, obviously. What he's doing here, he's setting it up where he said it's going to glorify God and scare devils. So it's, he's really setting the bar pretty high as he starts here and then um, goes right into addressing uh, more of a it's, it's got a very like sense of spiritual warfare that's happening at Relentless. And that, like I said, I want you to grab onto that because that, that seems to drive a lot of what we're going to be talking about here for the rest of the sermon. So with that in mind, keep that in your head. <laughs> also, for our video viewers, uh, just check out this man's right hand. I don't know how long he's going to roll this, but we'll see. Must obey God because we need uncompromising voices right now. And I need to give this church the word of the Lord as he has given it to me. And so I hope that you will receive it. I believe that you are here for a specific purpose. And as my wife said, Pastor Ab, that God will give you the answer you need before the service is over. Amen. Matthew chapter 24 at the 23rd verse. This is Jesus talking. Everybody say, this is Jesus talking. Please. So he's about to get into the scripture, and this is the part we've talked about before. So his intro is basically starting off with Matthew chapter 24, verse 23, um, if I understood him right. Maybe I'm wrong there. But so he's going to start off with the scripture right away. Now, one of the things we've talked about before, and I'm sorry, I'm getting there real quick, um, is... When we're reading scripture, it's incredibly important to take notes down as the pastor goes through that scripture, right? So in this particular case, he's starting us kind of in the middle of a section, um, in, in the middle of a dialogue that Jesus is giving. So if you're actually looking for the entire dialogue as far as the context of what Jesus is talking about, you actually have to go to Matthew 24, and it starts at verse 15, but we're not starting there. Um, in fact, it actually starts before 15. It starts all the way back in 24, verse 3. There's a lot of things that are happening up to that point. The specific contextual break for what Jesus is saying for this point starts at 15. But it's important to know that and to note that, right? Because you don't know where the pastor is going to go with this. What's he going to say in regards to this verse? So Matthew 24, verse 23, that's going to be at least his starting text. And we, we need to know that, right? Because each pastor preaches differently. So if you're visiting a church or more likely if you're viewing church online because of you're on vacation or because of, you know, shutdowns or whatever, um, you're going to be viewing sermons online. So it's important to know, obviously, every pastor preaches differently. So you have to have an adaptable method. So this so John's going to open up with a very brief intro. Go right in to 23. Please don't be casual when Jesus is talking. Please don't be casual. Don't just read it. 
casually. I need you to get this in your spirit. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. Pastor Robert, to deceive, if possible, even the deacons, even the elders, even other pastors. To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Okay, so this is what I was talking about. So, so we're clear. Anytime you guys suggest a pastor, I pick his most recent sermon or their most recent sermon. This is John Gray's most recent sermon. The reason this is going to be a little bit odd for us, because there's clearly drama going on at Relentless Church, and I'm not sure what it is. And we have now been brought into that by way of just walking into the church and sitting down and now listening. Because the way he's interjecting um, by elders or other pastors into this verse when it's clearly not there is interesting based on what he's already said before. So before he's already talked about drama happening, the devil trying to kill the church, like spiritual warfare going on. And Jesus is clearly talking about, you know, specifically, if possible, even the elect. But John interjects for some reason, deacons, other elders, other pastors in there, which is just like weird for, for doing that to this verse here. Again, just keeping in mind what we've already heard beforehand. So this is going to be a little bit of a different sermon review. If you haven't already picked up to it about 10 minutes in that, um, normally we would be hearing a pastor just preach from a text and kind of dissecting that and you know, looking through it. Um, here there seems to be something else going on. Quickly go actually now to Deuteronomy 18, Deuteronomy 18. You got to go to the Old Testament as well, just in case you thought this was a New Testament phenomenon. I want you to hear from the words of God, just in case you think there's a delineation between Jesus and God, which there is not. Jesus is God and God is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit's in Jesus. They are three in one and they are all equally God. They are co-equal. They are in perfect harmony and there is no God junior. The Holy Spirit is not God junior. Jesus is not God junior. They are God. Get this in your spirit. It's like an egg. It's got a shell, a yolk, and a white. It's three pieces, but it's all an egg. Deuteronomy 18, starting at the 15th verse. Watch this. The Lord, this is Moses talking. This is Moses. Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Now watch, the prophet, the word prophet is capital P, PJ. Capital P is a prophetic declaration that who's coming is Jesus. I need y'all to get this. He's not just Mashiach. He is a prophet. Oh, I'm already teaching. To raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. That would be something I would take note of, right? Is that he specifically pointed out prophet. Now, um, there's a lot of, uh, again, if you, were, if you were actually preaching on a specific verse, you would get into the language and the context of what's going on and what that points to. I mean, there's a lot of things if you were actually preaching just on Deuteronomy 18 uh, around these verses here, specifically 15, you would, could get into that. The idea that he specifically capitalized P um, in, in his specific translation is interesting because that's not 
across the board translation. That's not as far as how how it's it's in different translations as far as if is it a capital P, is it a regular P, what's the purpose, what's you know, that it being there. The idea here is that uh, he seems to be trying to preach on this passage without preaching on this passage. But it, this would be something else that I would just take note of, right? He's trying to make a huge point of this. So he's building his argument up based on already in Matthew is that there'll be false Christ, false prophets. He goes to Deuteronomy doing the same thing here. He, he's trying to build his point up to a specific reasoning. And let's see where, where he's going with this. Here, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Oreb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, Moses, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Watch this. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Didn't I tell y'all two weeks ago, people better stop playing games with God? I said people need to stop playing games with the name of the Lord. There are too many people that are hurting, that are wounded, that are looking for truth. And if you are not serious about the things of God and you are playing with this word because of your own agenda, you better sit down now. This is your final warning. That so, so I just want to make note of that, right? So I feel like this is one of the more awkward sermon reviews I've done. Because when I was listening to this, I thought there's there's got to be some sort of drama happening here at Relentless that we're just unaware of as strangers walking into this church. Like, it's got this real, like, Mark Driscoll vibe, like, you know, rise and fall of Mars Hill, in the sense that he's literally saying that you need to sit down if you're not listening. Like, in, well, hold on. I don't want to run anything for you. Let's see what he says here in a minute. That prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Look at this. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. Some of y'all been mad because you got a word from the Lord and it didn't come to pass. So you need to know if it didn't come to pass. There's a difference between didn't come to pass and, ha and has not yet come to pass. He said, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Watch this last verse. This is going to mess you up. You shall not be afraid of him. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't be, don't be afraid of preachers and prophets who talk a good game and then it, God doesn't back it. You don't have to listen to them anymore. That's what he Don't be afraid. Don't revere them. Don't elevate them. Don't reverence them. Just because they sound good doesn't mean it is good or is God. Final, ver final scripture I'm going to read with y'all together. I know y'all tired of standing, but today is a different day. My friend is in ICU. The devil's been trying to take out people all through the week. This week, I, including me, I had an emergency landing, me and Pastor Lamoris, 
our rotor, a rudder broke in the air for our plane that causes the plane to be able to steer. I felt what I never felt in the air. And we literally were going down. Literally took about, we were at 37,000 feet when it happened. All of a sudden, our plane starts doing this. My son is in front of me. Pastor Lamar's on the other side of the aisle. There's this nice white man between us. I said, Lamar's praying the spirit. We start, and I said, Lord, I already know the plane's going to land because my son's on here. And even if it was my turn, it ain't his turn because he's my legacy. He carries my name. And if everything else on here falls to the ground, we walking off of here. So, all right. So this, this like I said, this, this is a very weird sermon review because it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't flow in some so some coherent way um there's this weird interruption of what he just did telling a story about how um i mean he, he's fitting it into where you know there's a lot of trouble going off the church there's a lot of things that are turned you know there's, there's a lot of trouble going on he mentions his friend in the icu he'll actually mention him in here and again uh as well as this plane crash that almost happened i do want to step back real quick uh and be like and, and just pull out that story because John seems to be confident that no matter if a plane crashed or not, his son's not going to perish in that crash because he's his legacy and God would not let that happen. I'm not sure chapter and verse on that. I'm not sure where that even makes sense at. Um, or, <laughs> it's just strange. There, it's just weird to me. Maybe, maybe I'm being over 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 critical here but the idea that he's so confident that if the, if a plane crashes into the ground he's confident that even if everyone else perishes his son won't because his son's his legacy his son's got his name and his son's you know just strikes me as odd apart from the whole sermon in and of itself just that story in itself if somebody came up and just told me that i'd be like yeah but what how how are you how are you so confident in that um so anyway i let's just keep going we descended in about what five minutes it was we were the we found out that the computer was telling the plane to crash into the ground y'all don't hear what i'm saying this morning it was telling it to bank left and he was fighting the computer to keep it in the air. We end up landing in Columbus, Ohio. I said, God, you put Columbus on the map just so we could land. When we got off the plane, then they tell us, your rudder is broke. The thing that steers the plane is broken. We got to take this plane off the runway. Nobody's going anywhere. Y'all going to have to spend the night. I ain't spending the night nowhere. We leaving tonight. And, and, and then they tried to get the crew to go back on the plane. And the, plane, the crew refused. They said, we will not go back on. The enemy been trying to take me out. The elders know two weeks ago had another emergency landing. I said, devil, you really are trying it, but you will fail every time because I have Psalm 91. I got angels and the people of God have angels and relentless church and the people of God and rock family has angels surrounding. I need some help in here, elder. Today is not the day for quiet. You can keep your mask on, but you can lift up a sound. He tried to kill us. 
it was an illegal act and he's gonna pay today okay <laughs> so there's a lot there um he is building a case it seems like he's building a case that there's apparently um people either specifically or in general i i, I have a feeling that what he's getting at is there's specifically people I would say within the, the church itself here, this his specific local church, that are causing some problems, and he is trying to build a case for the there will be false prophets and false Christ that will come in the name, showing signs and everything. But don't worry, the things that they say when they don't come true, you don't have to fear them anymore. And then he morphs into this story about the devil trying to take him and his family and other elders out, and that that's not going to happen. And now he's going to somehow make the devil pay for trying to do that. That's where we're at. Like, just to catch you up, in case you've been like, I don't know what's happening. Don't worry, you're not alone. But that seems to be where we're at now. So, with that being said, the story doesn't really tie too much into the, the, the uh, doesn't tie at all into the verses we looked at before. But that's fine. Maybe it ties into the verses we're going to read now in Second Timothy. Um, so, let's see, kind of where we're going with this because we've had two scriptures that have been loosely connected um let's see where we're going with this timothy one second timothy 4 1 through 5 i charge you therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word tell somebody preach the word I know this is really shocking, but you know there are people who get up on Sunday and don't preach the word. They preach their imagination. They preach their agenda. They preach, they'll preach from emotion, but they're not preaching the word. Tell some. Okay, so this may be, just to spoil this for you, if you haven't already figured it out, the only thing I agree with John Gray on through this entire sermon. Now, the irony in this statement is almost too much for me to bear. I've, I've listened to this thing through uh, almost twice now, about one and a half times. And like he, he knows, like this is where my mind just can't wrap itself around this concept. He's aware that people get up and don't preach the word. And I'd be very interested to figure out like what, like to talk to him and be like, what, what is your definition of preach the word then? Like what, because he's saying they do it you know, out of emotion, they make up their own things. They they do it for themselves. Like this is his this is his base here. They don't preach the word. They do things. And it's basically all for self, essentially. So keep that in mind, based on as we go forward here, knowing that he's already what he's already talked about as far as false Christ and false prophets, and the devil really trying to hurt and kill the church. Um, so all of this, like, though it does, it's not a flowing, coherent, real sermon there's a lot kind of rolling down the hill here as he's as he's preaching or talking there's a lot, a lot rolling down the hill creating this bigger snowball of all of these issues that seem to be that he's connecting together um like i said this is a weird one but let's keep going somebody preach the word be ready in season and out of season let me tell you something you catch me at the airport i'm gonna tell you about jesus Catch me at the grocery store. I'm going I'm to talk to you about Jesus. I'm past them days of trying to, uh, you know, whisper who I am. I serve God. I'm a pastor. I love Jesus. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Listen, convince, rebuke, and exhort. 
Everybody wants church to be feel good, make me feel good. How's that working out for us? People still dying. And now, you know, the young people, when the COVID first hit, they were like, it don't apply to me. But now a large majority of the people that are sitting there on oxygen and dying are between 23 and 40. It's real quiet. And some of us still think this is a political stunt and it's not real. And there are others who think that this is the mark of the beast. And I told you it's not. So if you go to this church and you believe that, then you mean to tell me that I'm a false prophet. Don't play games with me. I'm telling you right now, if you choose not to get vaccinated, that's on you. But the mark of the beast is not yet because you need to read scripture to know when that happens. This ain't that. And what does the Bible say? My people perish for a lack of knowledge. The man on CNN sat there. He said, I should have got the D vaccine. Told his wife while he died. Because his politics and his, and his pseudo-religiosity made him think he was above it. Preach the word. That means rebuke, convince, exhort. which means somebody's going to get offended and they're going to leave. Oh, no, they're going to leave me. All right. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to, watch this, to their own desires because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. I used to think it was the, the leaders that were wayward. It's not. The leaders are not leaders at all. They've just been propped up by people who pay to hear what they want to hear. And they call it tithe. That's why I said don't give anything until you hear what I have to say. Because I'm going to offend me, you, and you at home. We're going to be offended today because the Holy Ghost means to get our attention in the next 20 minutes. So this is what I what I mean by I think that there's there's an underlying thing here happening that we're uh, we're totally unaware of as people that are visiting this church as people that are viewing this video like we just don't know because I mean there was that little hint there within what he's saying of leaders not really being leaders but being propped up by other people that hear that are hearing what they want to hear and paying pastors to do that. That by itself wouldn't be a huge deal, but the fact that he's already built on false prophets and false Christ and hinted at the devil trying to take the church down, like there seems to be this underlying tension at Relentless. And I don't, like again, I don't, <laughs> I've never listened to a John Gray sermon in my life. I have seen the, the stuff on the news, but other than that, I don't have a clue. But there seems to be this real kind of boiling under that if I had to predict, I'd say within the next six, seven months, like there's going to be something that comes out about what's going on in Relentless because I, there seems to be some real tension among the leadership. Um, or at least this is what John's hint, hinting at. There, because the text he's used, he hasn't exegetically worked through them. He hasn't given us context. He hasn't given us culture. He hasn't given us uh, anything that's actually being, you know, specifically when Jesus was talking, when he used Matthew, or the context back in Deuteronomy when Moses was speaking. He's not given us the context here when Paul's talking to Timothy about these various situations. Um, there just seems like there's something else happening here that the people in the pews get, like the people that are there, 
seem to be a little tied into the situation, but we're a little lost on. Which he, here, if we're looking at, I mean, as I've said at the beginning of this video, the whole purpose of these sermon reviews is to give us some tools to discern here. If I'm visiting this church and I'm hearing this, I'm that's a red flag for me. I'm going, obviously something's happening here that they're trying to work through. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Um, there seems to be something occurring that's kind of shaking up um, the foundations of whatever they've built here. And maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go somewhere else. He said, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. The title of my message is Nonprofit. Go ahead and be seated. Nonprofit. Everybody say nonprofit. Oh, Lord. Pastor Jonathan. Um, how many people are tithers here? Let me see. I <laughs> like this. Woo! 10%, 10% club, blessed and highly favored. Woo! I'm a tither as well. One of the things I didn't put up there is that tithers, those who do give 10%, almost 79% of those who tithe give more than 10%. That's a, and you know why? Now notice we are going to stop here. I want to stop because it does shift into, he does do a good amount of time here on tithing, which again, it's so strange to fit it into this part of the sermon because of what he's already said before. Like we haven't even touched on that. Like there's not even been a hint of anything to do with uh, stewardship or giving or um, he's not even talked about the church's financial status. Like there's nothing that indicates that we would make this turn where we do. It just seems to be this abrupt stop. Now we're talking about tithing. So whatever that's about, <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. But again, this sermon is not coherent, so why should we expect it to be? I do want you to listen, though, to what he says here, because this is interesting. And if you've ever been in a church before, churches often take the things that he's about to say verse-wise and make them into something that is simply not, like exegetically. Uh, it's just it's, it's interesting to how to, to hear a pastor speak about stewardship and giving in relation to the verses he's about to use. So let's, you probably know exactly what's about to come if you've been in church longer than like five minutes, but let's, let's, I just want to prep you for that, right? Prime you for what's about to be said. Listen, because he's, he's specifically talking about tithing. He's talking about those that give above and beyond. I want you to hear what he's about to say, because it's important as far as how we're discerning, aside from everything else, if the, if the sermon just started right here, what he's about to say is important in discerning. Um, yeah, it, it, let's, let's go. Because tithers know that it works. He said, try me now in this and see. He said, this is the only time God sat down for a test. He said, try me now in this and see if I don't open up windows. Y'all thought Bill Gates created windows. No, he just borrowed it. God is the originator of windows. Oh, y'all missed that. Anyway, I, I don't understand. No. All right. The church is a nonprofit organization. 
when you're a tither, at the end of the year, you get a statement. Have you ever read the sentence at the bottom of your statement? It says, no goods or services were given in exchange for this donation. Only spiritual, intangible benefits. I'm offended by that sentence. But you are required by law to put it on the letterhead because that's the only way you can get credit for your gift with the government. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was no taxable benefit for tithing. It was faith. And if you never got credit with the government, you got credit with heaven. Now, I'm, can I preach? Before you get in your car and leave and go down to such and such missionary, I just need to finish what I have to say today. I don't believe that sentence is right because when I tithe, I get spiritual, tangible benefits. Is there anybody that knows that when you tithe, God moves? That when you tithe, God blesses? When you tithe, he holds the devil back? When he... When you tithe, he blocks curses. When you tithe, he rebukes the devourer for your sake. When you tithe, your oil change is a little... When you tithe, your gas extends a little more in the tank. When you tithe, your money stretches differently. When you tithe, God shows up. Is there anybody that can be a living witness that when you sow into God's kingdom according to his word, he shows up every single time. Okay. I'm sure some of you saw that coming. But in, I just want to make clear what he just did. Basically saying that if you tithe, then God is obligated to do this or that. And he'll, he'll actually, if he'll say that flat out a little bit later. I don't know if we'll actually get to that point within, because this I'm only going to do this. I mean, we got about 30 minutes left in this video. Um, so we won't get through the rest of the sermon. Um, but there is a point where he says that if you tithe, like God is obligated to do something, right? It's like, you, it's like you're paying God off. So if you tithe, he has to hold back curses, whatever that means. If you tithe, the gas in your tank will be extended a little bit longer. If you tithe, right? So there, there is a tit for tat here. You do something for God, God will do something for you. Now, I do have to acknowledge that obviously faithful stewardship builds something in you in which God does bless, right? There is a blessing that comes from being faithful. Is it always a tangible blessing? No, it's not always a tangible blessing. We, we can see throughout the Old and New Testament. So he points to the Old and New Testament saying, and the Old and the New Testament, you get tangible spiritual blessings. That's, yeah, there are definitely times that we can point to that show that God, that people's faithfulness to God actually results in God's faithfulness uh, that we see him interacting in their lives down the road. But it was their faithfulness in, sometimes in, in monetary giving, but oftentimes just their faithfulness in obeying him that then brings forth that, that, that spiritual thing for them down the road. Um, so what he's doing, whether purposefully or not, I don't know his heart, but what he's doing is he's building into the mindsets of the people that are listening to him that 
that if I give, I will definitely get, which then the reverse is then therefore true as well, even though he's not saying it. If I don't give, then I won't get. So when he blatantly comes out and says that when you give, God holds back curses, the, the implication therefore is that if I don't give, God won't hold back curses. So this now makes God some sort of mob boss in which that if I don't pay my protection money, then I now I get attacked, right? So... He, he's building within a theology into his people that he has no, no verse, no biblical basis for it all. Like he's referenced a bunch of verses before, which we haven't explored as we should have. But when he gets to this point that is actually pretty heavy, right? It, it's very, it affects people's theology, no doubt. He has no verse for that. Why? Because that's, you're, 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 you're speaking ironically you're speaking of God, something that isn't about God, which the reason it's ironic is before you just said that you should preach the word, not for your own, you know, not from emotion, not from, from anything that's going on in your life, but you should just preach the word rightly. And it's, it's incredibly ironic to me that he said that. And then he gets to this point, he has no biblical background for what he just said. The, the disconnect there is incredible. Let's keep going. Now, let me make this clear. I'm going to step onto the precipice. I didn't say you get everything you want. That's not the promise. My God will supply all my according to his riches and glory. He's not obligated to give you the thing of your preference. He's obligated to give you the thing that you need. And some of us are so ungrateful that we haven't even thanked him for what he's given us. And so maybe right now you can take about 10 seconds before you go down the list of what he hasn't done, what you haven't received. And perhaps you can just stop and say, God, I thank you that... <gasps> I'm breathing on my own. God, I thank you that I'm breathing with a mask of oxygen. Pastor DeMarcus, at least I'm alive. Is there anybody that's grateful to be alive? My kids are alive. I have a job. I have some food in the refrigerator. I have a refrigerator. I have electricity for the refrigerator to be able to keep the food cold. I have a place for the refrigerator called an apartment or a house. I can pay my rent or my mortgage. I also get to drive. Thank you. Is there anybody that's just grateful? You know, gratitude goes a long way. Elder Larry, gratitude goes a long way. Elder Michelle, gratitude goes a long way. God, thank you. You're alive. God, thank you. That one doesn't smell downy fresh. This one does. It's one thing to be a nonprofit organization, but we can't be a nonprofit ministry. I need some help in here. Elder Delroy, I said, I, I, I don't mind being a nonprofit organization, 
because we don't exist to make money. We exist to receive the gifts of the people of faith and then to distribute it to God's people and God's kingdom and expand the work of ministry. But it's one thing to be a nonprofit organization in your structure, but we can't have any more nonprofit churches. We got too many churches without a prophet in them. We have too many churches who have prophets who are for profit. And when you have a prophet for profit, then he will or she will say what you want to hear so they can get what's in your hands. But what you sow, you're not going to get a return on because God didn't tell them to say that. So you're sowing based on your imagination or your own agenda. And God is not obligated to bless that. Ooh, you better preach, Pastor John. So you see how that tied together? So there is a connection here now between what he said before in regards to false Christ, false prophets, about the war that's happening that he feels like is happening at, at, uh, at the church, um, about how now there are, you should preach the word, but there are people that clearly don't preach the word. They do it because they're being propped up by others and there's, you know, because they're being paid to say whatever those people want to hear. And now he's kind of transitioned into this idea that when you tithe, um, your God is only obligated to give you what you need if the person that you tithe into their ministry for was actually saying the things that God told them to say, which he then very loosely ties back to the second Timothy passage in which he said, um, you know, as far as preach the word. So there he's tying it. It's very everywhere, but there is a stream of thought here at least. And this is again, why I say that I think there's something happening, um, here be as far as here within this specific church because there's this real calling out that there are people that are true prophets and there are people that are not and they're just for there for the money so there seems to be if it so here's here's i guess let me say it this way if there's not something happening at real endless church specifically john has people in mind when he's speaking this way uh, and he's not being specific about it uh, which is why I think it, he's he's talking into a particular situation. And I think that's backed up by the things he said before, as far as like, if you're new here, ignore the intensity of this message because it has to be said. So that's why I think it's much more of a local thing. Um, but anyway, I just wanted you to see that connection there. There is a connection, though, uh, again, I, <laughs> it, it seemed to take a really quick turn where it wasn't coherent. There clearly was a coherentness as far as he saw it in his head with the tithing that tied back in to the pastor's preaching and you as the congregation tithing into their ministry. We don't have enough people who are preaching an offensive gospel. We got the Cinnabon gospel. It's sweet, it's sticky, smells good. And you leave and go to your car and you, you feel great, but you have no tools to fight real devils. Okay, so this is something else I want you to pay attention to because the statement he makes here, I would say is, is fairly accurate. There aren't people preaching an offensive gospel. They're preaching a gospel that's sweet and sticky and makes you feel good. All right, gotcha. Now, when you're saying a statement like that, it would be helpful to clarify. So what makes the gospel offensive then? right? Is it, is it the fact that we are all sinners? 
in the path of God's uh, righteous judgment. And Jesus is the one that takes that sin on himself and gives us his righteousness. And then we therefore repent and follow after him. Like, is that the, is that the offensive part of it? That you're sinners, that we're all sinners and we're all in need of Jesus. Is that the offensive part that without Jesus's, uh, Jesus's death and burial and resurrection, we cannot know God? Like, is that the offensive part that we are not good, that we are actually sinful beings because of the fall and that because of the first Adam, we're all fallen. And because of the second Adam uh, being Christ, we can now be, you know, rightly with our creator. Is that the offensive part? Like, because I would agree with that. That's an offensive gospel because that comes in our face. It confronts us. And the fluffy cinnamon, you know, gospel is the one that you're okay, you're great, you're not that bad, you're just a little messy. Like, clarification needs to be made on that statement because it sounds like a true enough statement, just like preach the word sounded like a true enough statement. No one is clapping now. Ooh, I'm nervous. What if they don't like me? Good! Somebody say nonprofit. I've been trying to figure out who would want. This is just an observation for the video viewers. Um, COVID has obviously affected Relentless pretty bad because I don't know how big their auditorium is. It's pretty big. Um, but you can tell there is a, a, a highly decreased number there. Want to kill Jesus? Somebody talk to me. Why would you want to kill Jesus? Who would want to kill Jesus? Everybody he met loved him. He healed everybody. He didn't play favorites. He didn't have special meetings with the highest donors. See, and that right there is why I think there's something going on. The, the point that he, he keeps pushing is, is something something's happening at this church. And this is where not only... Th that, that in and of itself is a red flag for me as a visitor coming in and looking that if I see a lot of turmoil and I don't even know what's happening and you can feel the tension in the room, that's a big red flag. Aside from the fact that we haven't actually studied the verses, we haven't actually you know, looked at the context, the culture, the original wording. Like we haven't done any of it. Like there's not been any teaching occurring for the saints in the body right now in regards to the verses we've actually looked at. Um, there's been a couple of true statements said, like, right, preach the word, like the gospel is offensive. Like, so there's some, there's been like a spotting of truth here, um, but nothing actually followed up with scripture. Um, and there's actually been some very troubling things said, right? So you pay, you pay God, he's obligated to do something for you. That with no biblical backing has been said a number of times. Um, so anyway, that is, there's just like a tension in watching this video. I can't imagine what the tension was like in the room. Should I keep going? Do I still get spaghetti if, if I keep going? Okay. Uh, you know, he's, Jesus, Jesus hung out with the unpopular people. The lepers. Tax collectors, sinners. At the bar, the club, the twerkers, the strippers. And the church is like, oh, that's a mess. But you watching it. Yeah. 
Now he's about to make, here's the thing where I know we're about at the hour mark. So what I'm going to do is I want to, I want to let him, I want to play through this, this point here because the, the rest of it is absolutely like this weird mash of what's happening at relentless. It's very interesting. The point he makes here in light of what he's already said. Okay. Now this point in and of itself, what he's about to say, I think is solid. It's good. As far as like, it's like, it needs to be called out in the church for sure. Um, so this is maybe the, maybe the best part of the whole sermon. Um, but, uh, it seems to tie into what he's already said in regards to certain leaders. Um, but that being said, let's, I'm going to push play. We're going to go through it and then we'll probably tie this video up. It's easy to judge when we can't check your browser history. It's easy to judge when we don't see what you are watching on Netflix. You quick to put somebody in hell, but you nasty at the house. Which is why you don't mind carnal people preaching to you. Because false prophets will tell you everything you want to hear and they'll put a sprinkle of Jesus with some seasoning of falsehood and lies. They'll tell you that you can live how you want and still be blessed. They'll tell you that you can have a little sin and God understands. False prophets will tell you you can play both ends against the middle and that's why your life is a darn mess. We need some prophetic voices. We need some people that'll preach this word and not care what happens because there's a wide road and there's a narrow road, elder. And we got a lot of people screaming about that wide road. And there's a lot of people that want to be loved. And listen, I know what it's like to be universally loved and celebrated and accepted. And then all of a sudden, thank God, he brought me to a place of humility and truth and broke me down and showed me the futility of my human condition and people walked away and it's okay I'm not mad there are people who will stay with you as long as it's beneficial to them all right so we'll end it there I actually went a little let it go a little bit long but I think what he just said ties into my previous point it's, there's something going on here at the local church level so let's tie this up within the last 10 minutes here and kind of look at a few things so there's a few things that I think are important to note. The first is that he does point out, like I said, and one of the first points I agreed with him on was that uh, there are people that don't preach the word and pastors are called to preach the word. I think what he said there was it was good. Uh, I also think what he the, the brief point he made about the gospel is offensive, but people like a cinnamon bun, squishy, sticky gospel that makes them feel good. But he didn't go on to clarify what that meant which is a bit, you know, concerning. Um, so those were the good things. The red flags are abundant. Uh, one, and I think the biggest one here, and, I, and maybe other people know what's going on in Relentless and the fact that I just don't know anything about John Gray puts me outside of that circle of knowledge, but um, there seems to be, the biggest red flag to me is there seems to be something going on at this church that, um, that they need to resolve because it's obviously it's not just affecting the operations now it's affecting like the preaching it's got to the point now that if i if you and i walk into this service we're like i don't even know what's going on but it's pretty obvious something's going on um 
it seems to be more of a leadership struggle. And if I had to guess, it's a leadership struggle in which an elder, based on the things that he just said about this, about your browser history, about what you're watching, about what you're doing, um, it seems to be somebody has has maybe either been put out of leadership or they're struggling with them in leadership in regards to them saying that they are called to ministry, but John doesn't feel like they are called to ministry and the fact that they're doing this or that and saying certain things to make people happy disqualifies them as well as apparently what they're doing in their private life. Um, and that's just me guessing based on the evidence I have in this video, in this sermon. Um, the other things that are, I think, more like baseline red flags that we need to look for within sermons are what we've already pointed out, right? So we looked at Matthew, but we didn't look at the entire context of what Jesus was talking about in regards, in regards to false prophets and false Christ. Um, there's a lot of context there. Not only what Jesus is saying in the rest of that, just that paragraph or that section of scripture, but who he's talking to, why it's being talked about. Like those things are incredibly important when we're looking at scripture. You can't just pull like those two verses out and then apply it to your situation. Um, same thing with Deuteronomy. When he goes back to Deuteronomy 18, um, he really glosses over the idea that what's being said is if it's a false prophet, they will die. Like they get murdered. Okay. Um, they get, they, they, they lose their life because of the falseness of what they're saying. Um, and he kind of just glossed over that along with all of the other, again, context and culture and what was happening. Very important. Then we move on to the same thing in the Second Timothy passage. Like we're not at no point in looking at any of these passages does John actually do what he points out from the Second Timothy passage that he's supposed to do, which is preach the word, get in it. He's supposed to uh, to convince and rebuke and exhort based on the things that we're looking at. And though though I think the argument could be made that he is rebuking based on some of the text that he's looking at. Um, it seems to be one of those things where he's pulling out specific passages, um, in like just a couple of verses here and there in order to do that without giving a full context of what is actually being said in those passages. Also, if the argument does want to be made and somebody wants to make the argument that he is actually doing what second Timothy says, because he is rebuking then at that point, I mean, we have text about qualifications for elders that you could easily bring up that would then set the bar for that. So if the, if the argument is trying to be made that, well, John's just trying to set the tone for what an elder should look like and what a pastor should look like. Okay. Well, the second Timothy passage is a great place to start, but we also have passages in Titus and in second Peter that show what somebody is supposed to do as an elder in regards to leading the flock. So there's other things there that could be, again, within context and the culture and what Peter and Paul are saying there that could be used to make that point in a biblically based way. And we wouldn't have to bring in that odd tithing thing that he did there in the middle that then again sets up very poor theology in regards to giving and stewardship. So the whole sermon in of itself, if I'm just basing my opinion on John Gray on the sermon and trying to do away with like the stuff I've seen in the news about him, um, this isn't like, this isn't a sermon. This isn't done well. This isn't, um, he, he's not preaching uh, from the word. He's actually preaching from his emotions as he previously said in the sermon, you shouldn't do. 
So anyway, that's interesting. If you guys have maybe attended this church, maybe you do like John, maybe this one sermon isn't representative of how he actually preaches. I'd love to hear from you either in the DMs or in the comment section, uh, because I do understand that the way we do these sermon reviews, sometimes it doesn't capture the essence of the pastor because not you, know, you can't judge a pastor based on one sermon. I wouldn't want to be based on one sermon uh, because some of the sermons that give it are terrible. Um, so that being said, the overall things that we're looking at here, is this some is this a sermon that is a good example for sermons we should look for? Absolutely not. This, this as an example, disconnected from John altogether, um, given by anybody, is not a good sermon at all. These, are, these don't have the elements of actually teaching the word. This doesn't have the elements of being diligent to what scripture says, not only within the passage you're looking at, but throughout all of scripture. And it, it does seem to be preached much more from um, something that's happening within the church more so than something that's in the word and what you're going to teach your people for. And if there is something happening at Relentless, I hope that they resolve it in a, in a biblical manner because uh, I could be wrong about all the statements I've made about maybe this, this leadership issue. Um, but I've been in churches before with leadership issues and it sounds very similar to what's happening here. So hopefully that's not it, but that would be my guess. And if that is my guess, uh, if my guess is right, rather, um, definitely be praying that um, the Holy Spirit works and resolves this issue there. So, so the gospel can be preached and Jesus can be known and people can be safe. So guys, thank you for watching this video. Thank you for following. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for all the cool things that you do. If you'd like to support what we do here, check out. There's some links in the description as well that you can do that. I'll talk to you later.